1: Would
0: you object to never seeing me
1: again? This is not just a couch. It's just our couch! Take the red pill, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You leave the light on after bedtime. I always thought it would be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Not it! it! It is beyond description. In the not-too-distant future, Allegra Geller has created the ultimate escape.
0: The possibilities are so great. This is amazing.
1: A parallel universe called Existence.
0: Now, I'm warning you. It's going to be a wild ride. But someone wants it stopped. At all costs. You're worth a lot of money if you're dead. Alright, when I get uh, to Existens, are you excited? I'm very
1: excited for Existens with the X and the Z capitalized on the poster here. Um, so... uh yeah, I. This is not one I was looking forward to rewatching, uh, and uh, nothing surprised me on this viewing. Uh, I, I I I hate it. Uh, I think it's one of Cronenberg's oh, wow. worst films, and I I have a strong dislike for it. Um, I made the mistake of trying to watch one of his earlier. Uh, experimental movies called uh, Crimes of the Future, and yeah, that was really awful too. And <laughs> I don't recommend going back and looking at those movies because they're really rough and they have none of the they have none of the polish that you see, um, you know, or like visual panache that you see in his later movies. And this is sort of like I don't know a an uncomfortable marriage of those same, like, amateurish sensibilities, uh, but also, you know, uh, he's a little bit better of a better filmmaker at this point. I guess I kind of I, I go back and forth on him as a filmmaker. Uh, every, you know, some movies I, I react really strongly to, and then there's movies like Existence and uh, Spider and um, a couple others, uh, Scanners, that I just don't really care for.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, you could call me, I guess, much like our uh, Altman conversation that we had, that I'm a Cronenberg tourist in a way. Um, I've seen the the bigger hits. Um, I don't know if you would count Crash as a bigger hit, but it got a lot of press in the mid-90s. Was that the one that preceded existence? That
1: sounds right. Uh, so yeah, he kind of made a lot of uh, sexy movies in the 90s for some reason uh that was a big thing <laughs> You don't call it that yeah uh, well i've only seen part of crash and it had a lot of nudity so i'm assuming it was kind of you know sex themed in some way but yeah he's got m butterfly crash existence um you know
0: I, the only thing i really remember about crash was the uh one of the the actresses who ended up playing the the lead female role in uh, the game. Uh, She had a a story she told that uh, a scene from Crash is what got her the job Mm -hmm. in the game, (laughs) and it's pretty much just her fucking in a car. And Fincher was like, all right, it's good enough. You can be in my Michael Douglas thriller. So uh, other than that, I don't have much in the way of memories of that one. Uh, This film, I remember digging it as a teenager. I think to a point um in the sense that I I watched it once on video and uh thought like well that was that was fun or that was cool and then never really thought about it again. So <laughs> I I have to agree with you I was not looking forward to revisiting this because I actually did about 5 years ago and kind of wished like with some of the movies we're going to cover on this podcast I just left that uh in my youth because uh maybe with the video game plot uh coming out really what in the same month as the matrix um i was just in the mood for that shit when i was a teenager but uh now i find it mildly annoying slash amusing Um, it's a
1: rather pretentious film you know opening up on this you know i don't know the community art center or whatever, uh, down the block from where Cronenberg (laughs) lives and telling, telling the audience, this is the future, uh, you know, and, and having this big shootout at the end, you know, that's supposed to be, that I guess is like some sort of cabin development, uh, probably, you know, down the street from his community art center. Uh, and then like, you know, selling the audience that oh yeah, this is a futuristic, uh, battle.
0: (laughs) Um <laughs> I mean it's not even a uh you know it's not even a game I imagine the uh, the target audience mm-hmm. would even want to play <laughs> it's, it doesn't you know it doesn't look like something uh that would be uh you know heavily marketed to the kids I guess uh, I mean there are definitely some touches that I like um the weird I guess you know body like bone gun that they build at various points um I dig that. I I really don't like uh, our two leads here, mm-hmm. though, and I, I wonder what you thought about that because, I mean, obviously the roles they're playing—they're scabby, you know—they're they're, especially with Jennifer Jason Lee's playing someone somewhat aloof and jaded, and then Jude Law, at least initially, is attempting to play kind of you know wide-eyed and just fascinated by this uh, this hip new video game artists, but I, I don't find either one of them very watchable together, especially when they go out on the run. Um, I, you know These are just not two characters that have any discernible chemistry to me, uh, and yeah, it was, this time around it was definitely a slog, and I knew it was going to be a slog, because I'd already revisited this once as an adult, I guess, and uh, yeah, this is one that, uh, I guess we both took one for the team. I kind of wish that you really dug this. Well, it make don't... for
1: a more interesting <laughs> conversation and everything, but, you know... Yeah, I'm not gonna like misrepresent how I feel because it really it might be the it might be the worst film we've seen on this uh, revisit so far for me.
0: Uh, not yeah, for me. <laughs> Never been kissed. My God, <laughs> I hated that experience. But but,
1: but going back to the leads, Jude Law does great work. Uh, this is a big breakout year for him. Uh, he doesn't do great work in this movie. But I mean, he's done. He did, <laughs> does great work in 1999. Uh, so this is like he's getting Jude Law at the peak, you know, of his lawiness, and, and in Cronenberg doesn't do anything with him. Uh, same thing with Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, she she's very good in in Dolores Claiborne. Um, just four years before this, uh, like I, that's always been my favorite role of hers. But you know, like I never bought that she was this incredibly uh interesting person that people would be so obsessed about uh in terms that yeah in terms of the being the creator of this game and everything. Um I hate how many scenes we get in this movie where where Jude Law asks a question and someone gives him this extremely labored and lengthy uh explanation describing and telling him everything uh you know in terms of the world uh here.
0: And you you are new to trout farm?
1: Yes, I'm I'm very new. Did you say trout farm?
0: Yeah, trout farm. Trout farm, you know, raising baby trout from eggs and releasing them in rivers. Entire place used to be trout farm. From outside, you would never guess it's now a factory for making game pots. Seems like most everything used to be something else. Yes. You might be new, but you seem to know what you're doing.
1: It surprises me more than it surprises you. And that's good. Like, it's good that there's an audience character, but when you're, like, 90 minutes into the movie and that's still going on, it's like it, it gets ridiculous. And then you start having these scenes where people are shooting up stuff and, and screaming, death to realism! And, it, and it's like, like, what, like we're trapped in some sort of Brechtian... Um, Anton Chekhov kind of thing and and it's bizarre.
0: <laughs> I did like uh Willem Defoe quite a bit. I like that um I guess that level if you want to uh keep with the video game sort of terminology that uh that little NPC we come across uh who is this you know mechanic slash um attacker that uh, that's harboring uh, ill will towards them. Uh but you know, that I think that's the first experience, the first brush uh with like I guess the the, you know, the the supposed game world. Uh but then it becomes a series of more of that, uh, and it's not Willem Dafoe playing, you know, crazy video game character. So it's just, you know, I, I think I think it peaks way too early and uh to what you're saying, um I'm just not as interested as the Jude law character mm-hmm. in this world. Like I just, I just don't care. So he begins to grin on my nerves that he cares so much. Uh, I just sort of toss my hands up. I mean, it, this, all of this is handled much better in that one scene in the matrix with the, the, the steak. It's yes. not real. That's uh, I, I'm missing, uh, you know, Joe Pantolione, uh or Joey pants. I can't remember if that's, what is his name? I don't name? remember
1: his name in the movie. Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> The actor? Yeah. Yes, that's the. <laughs> I name. thought you were searching uh, for the a- name of yeah. character.
0: <laughs> no, no, the, the character. I, I don't. I'm not that big of a nerd to to know uh, what is his you know Matrix name was, but uh, you know that that scene sums up. Uh, I guess my cynicism with watching Existence and that I'm just like I don't care. You know, if, this, if the if steak tastes good, then just accept it and move on. Like this is this is all just a bunch of nonsense, and it's it's not worth the effort. It's you know I, I was. Thinking about it uh, as I was sort of halfway watching it, uh, the slog again, and I was gonna uh, throw out a question to you: uh, Do you think Cronenberg's heart was totally in this one? I, definitely. Or did this definitely. just feel like? I just think there isn't much of a correlation you know?
1: <laughs> between. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I think his heart is probably in every single movie he's he's made. I don't. I can't. I'm looking at his filmography. I don't see a single one that's like, oh yeah, I, I just. Had to do this for the money. Um, I mean, the biggest commercial hit is probably *The Fly*, and that's my favorite. But that's ve- that's a very Cronenberg-esque uh, movie. Uh, it, I, I think his heart was in it. He's just—he's kind of an off person, and I think people like that.
0: <laughs> See, I thought I was going to be more <laughs> insulting, but now <laughs> you're kind of well, going over the I top. I mean, here. I'm <laughs> sure
1: he's a really nice guy and everything, but I think. Extremely introverted people who obsess about, you know, the gross qualities uh, of life and all that. Uh, It's probably hard for him to come into a a setting like this where where the script is definitely not working for for law and Jennifer Jason Lee. I'm assuming, you know, I I don't want to, like, you know, put motivations in them that may not exist. But that's what I think happened. And he's probably like, what's he left to do? Like, he's probably not that kind of actor's director, uh, you know, who can do. I mean, when you have really strong material like The Fly, you know, Jeff Goldblum can show up and give, a, give it his all. And Gina Davis can, you know, can do the same thing. And when all those pieces fit together right. Uh, same thing with Julianne Moore in Maps of the Stars. You know, I don't think he pulled that great performance out of her. I, you know, I think it's just said, oh, hey, when the pieces fit Right. He tends to be able to make a good movie, but you know, this is, this, this reminds yeah, me. Yeah. That's a good
0: example because uh I think there's definitely some performances in that that do not work. Mm-hmm, like I remember mm-hmm. uh, John Cusack in particular, like just almost feeling like, he, like he's in a completely different movie than Julia the Moore. The kids uh, are,
1: are like kind of bland mm-hmm. and, and bad in that movie um as well.
0: This movie a uh, a better version of this for me is uh uh and I, I know the the filmmaker here has been swept up in the um uh with accusations in the me too movement and all that so maybe this is it's this is probably blasphemous to to say anything kind uh about uh, his work but uh, the uh uh I guess much um reviled at least financially it was a big misfire of, um what was the name of it the uh the, with the um God, you're like you're goddamn Ronald Reagan adapted. tonight,
1: denniston Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those people's names. Uh well I was about to say he's Valkyrie. I'm like, no, that's not it. Valerian, that was the name of the damn thing. Uh oh. that came out. Was that last summer, a couple summers ago? He got
1: caught up in the Me Too uh, movement? Man, we have not been talking for a while. Like
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh I get you know, I won't rem- I definitely won't remember his name, but the guy that did the fifth Luke element was all, that,
1: Luke all that crap.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, I, I had similar issues with that film as far as the two leads, uh, just not really having much in the way of chemistry and they this weird sort of distance. But with that one, I felt like it worked because they're portraying like, you know, 20 year olds. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there's, this is like a generational thing to where the, you know, they're, they're just—they've seen so much cool shit in this like sci-fi universe that's been built up uh, in this film that nothing impresses them anymore, and I—I uh, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me in the in Cronenberg's film here because, uh, like you said, I really like your yeah, you kept hitting on that was the community art center <laughs> <laughs> it's this weird mashup well, i just think of, like low-key realism and just really sort of like boring reality and then this crazy you know bone that's armor when the weaponry. movie
1: loses me and it's right at the beginning is that we come in to this place and everyone like we're really supposed to me- believe that all these people are meeting up to try out this like cutting edge uh thing in, in what looks like you know yeah the, his, his local church
0: uh, basement. Come uh, on. You don't, you don't think Steve jobs was at like, you know, the, the lions club, and then, or, and then, <laughs> and know, the ski lodge,
1: like Jude law, worst security guard ever. Like, like the guy just runs <laughs> up with, with the gun and points it at Jerry Jason <laughs> Lee. You can see law in the shot, just standing there doing nothing. And it's like, you know, you're, this is like your job. You're supposed to stop people from doing that. Like the, it, it's a very pretentious movie. That's very full of itself from the get-go, like it doesn't really, the script itself doesn't work hard enough to try and bring you in. And yet, and yet, you know, every 60 seconds, we get this long labored explanation uh, delivered to law about what this is, how this works, what what that's about, blah, 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 on and on and on people, you know, uh, 75% of every scene is people talking, just speaking exposition to each other. Uh, and that never works.
0: Which I mean, to be fair, that's uh, that is an awful lot of video games that play like that. <laughs> if, if you're just going to, you know, have the cutscenes, you're just going to have the the game. Re- I'm not even taking you by the hand, but like throwing you uh, towards the ne- the next uh, stage or the next thing it wants you to do. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think they had to go that far. I mean, they have. You know, it's damn. Basically, they're they're plugging in. <laughs> you know, slimy phallic objects into their assholes yeah, and basically. And you can just leave it at that. That's you know <laughs> I there's really I never no talking your I never want to see enough. someone
1: poke uh Jude Law like basically in, in the <laughs> right above his butthole ever again. Like uh, enough. I well, had enough. There's
0: there's there's another film, you know, towards the end of this this project, the end of the year, that uh handles that the possibility oh, of that in a far more interesting way. Uh, I know you're a fan we've already discussed it before. Uh, I wanted to bring up one bit of trivia that you're probably already aware of but for our listeners uh you know I guess if they're fans of this film uh they're going to say right on but I would say most people probably lament for Jennifer Jason Leigh's sake that uh she was not able to complete her performance her part uh in Eyes Wide Shut in fact Stanley Kubrick completely reshot her entire her sequence with her character uh, because she had already moved on she would already committed to uh, to exist in so, we, all, we all have to make choices
1: um, in this life Dennis <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah Cronenberg's uh, Buttport <laughs> movie over Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> final film alright yeah all well, we gotta make choices This is like one of those it mashup is. episodes. It is. So Let's move, move on, on to, to the, the, uh, the f- next f- film,
1: presumably uh, film that we both liked a lot better, which is Abre los ojos uh, from director. I hope. Uh, Alejandro, am oh man, I'm, I told myself I wasn't gonna mess it up. Alejandro hmm. Amenabar.
0: See what I do there um, is I just take ownership of the fact I am gonna mess <laughs> it up, or I just cut in with like a clip. Uh, and you know you've got the opening of Vanilla Sky where Penelope Cruz just announces the title. So if I was gonna have to introduce it, that's what I was gonna suggest to you. It was like, please just take my part out and put in her. Um, liking this a lot more than the Existence. Uh, not so much wow. for me. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I if you're giving me a, a choice here between the two of them, I'll take this. Um, but like. Cronenberg's movie I'd only seen this a couple of times um once I didn't watch it in 99 when it's got its American stateside release but um I of course uh caught up with it after Vanilla Sky came out and then that's when I became aware of it so uh I never saw it as an original piece I just saw it as a curiosity then uh after having seen Cameron Crowe's remake um and then I watched it again for uh, another podcast comparing the two films. So this is probably, this is the first time I've ever watched it without Vanilla Sky, without a viewing event close together. And uh, it, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's 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 uh it's something that I think I I understand why it would be remade. Uh, but I don't think on its own, it would have been a film that I would ever say, oh, that was one of the best films of 1999, uh, or something that I would have insisted people have to see. Uh, it almost, uh, I'm going to borrow sort of a, um, a put down from you and I don't mean it as a put down. Uh, it feels very much like a festival film. Oh, in okay. the sense that It's That's like, well, fair. that was, that was interesting, but I don't carry it with me really. And uh, So that was my experience with it for uh I for think it's a viewing. very
1: fair criticism, uh, but I am surprised. I would have thought this would be one you would have a lot of good things to say about. I thought this was a very pleasant rewatch for me. I saw this... I saw Vanilla Sky first, for sure, and then I think I saw this on DVD many years later after that. And I, I enjoyed it then, and I enjoyed it now. Um, what... What I, I don't want to compare it to Vanilla Sky a whole lot. Uh, I want to try to avoid that because I think it's unfair to both films. I I've gotten into many conversations with people uh, where where Vanilla Sky comes up or this movie comes up or vice versa, and they just they just go, oh well, but it's a shot for shot remake of a better Spanish film. And I've never found that to be the the case. I think both movies have subtle differences uh, that make them stand apart from each other, and it makes it a very different. Exp- they're both like completely different viewing experiences for me. Uh, the only thing I will say is that you know no one's putting the imposition on you to to pick. One and this isn't aimed at you, this is aimed at people who are, you know, always praising Aubrey Los Ojos and downgrading Vanilla Sky in the same sentence. No one's placing the imposition to like one movie or the other. You know, you there you can it is perfectly all right to enjoy both. Um and just because something was originally made uh you know, you know, uh overseas does doesn't it you know it doesn't make it cheaper. Uh, to to uh, to have it remade, um, you know. So,
0: uh, although this film is obviously yeah, sure there's, sure, there's no, no big uh, you know, Times Square shutdown. There's no big movie star, uh, and for that it is of course lesser for no.
1: It. <laughs> <Sorry>. You're missing <laughs> the entire point of what I what I what I like what I like about both this movie, um, and Cameron Crowe's film, which I won't name anymore. Um, is <laughs> But they're I conversation will. pieces. It it sparks thought in you to to discuss with people. I walked away uh, from this thinking about you know what are dreams? What do they mean? Uh, what is what is the nature of existence and everything? Um, questions that I just find myself not oh. asking when I watch Existence or or The Matrix or uh, what the Thirteenth Floor is another. Uh, movie about that uh, from 1999. Not on never our list. I never saw that one. Uh, it's no good. We don't need to watch it. It's no good.
0: Um, Gretchen Mall was going to be the next big thing. This <laughs> didn't happen.
1: I just think it's interesting, it's interesting uh, well, okay, how this me, movie uh, places you in Caesar's perspective and makes you more of an active viewer in these big philosoph- philosophical questions and everything. Whereas movies like Existence kind of distance you from that.
0: Right. Yeah, that's 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 a very good point. Um I'll try to try to steer away from the comparisons, but uh to what you said as far as the accusation that Vanilla Sky is a shot for shot remake, I I find them very different in, in tone, mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. they are telling the same story. I find this one uh far more romantic. I've I've kind of a or at least I've had arguments on podcasts and with other friends about vanilla sky and I, I clearly have a very different reading of that film i i find tom cruise and penelope cruz's relationship in that film uh abhorrent i (laughs) i think that they are you know very narcissistic people uh and i don't find them to be genuine at all so i i find the i guess the punishment if you want to call it that of the the cruise character in that version uh to be a great deal of fun and i don't I don't feel the same with this version. I actually I actually find the the sweeter moments or the moments of sort of longing of like a missed opportunity or a, you know a path not taken uh, to hit home a bit more. Whereas Vanilla Sky, it's a it's like a guy who's trying on uh, sincerity for the first time, like a jacket, and uh, seeing how it fits, and it just doesn't really suit him his life goes to shit because that's just not who he is uh this one here i I think you know is you know it it would be the uh you know the the softer version of that story i I don't think it's as harsh there are very harsh things that happen in it but uh, i think some of the stuff that crow tried to achieve and maybe missed the mark on at least for me um it happens, uh, almost every time in this film. And I'm, I'm saying that as someone that actually prefers vanilla sky. Um, but I, I think this is by far like the, the romance version of the story. And I, I do think it's, it's pretty effective.
1: I mean, you know, I'm true. I'm, I'm missing an opportunity now to, to really, you know, talk about a Cameron Crowe movie, which, you know, is hard for me, but, but I, I want to, I, right. I want to stay true to, to my conviction here, uh, and just talk, talk about Alberto los Ojos. um, you know, the part of the story that I find really compelling is this idea of, of a switchover point in Caesar's life. And I guess we're getting into spoiler territory. I mean it's a very old movie, so I guess it shouldn't matter. But
0: um I mean at the very least they've seen Vanilla Sky, which yeah, we don't want and, about. <laughs> and it's very similar,
1: uh the switchover point and all that. Um I find that I I find that idea really compelling that you could be living life and not be aware uh, of it at all. Uh, if you know, cause you're in, in suspended animation, um, or whatever. Um, you know, I don't, do you ever, do you ever find yourself questioning existence in that way? Michael Denniston?
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I, uh, and I blame the matrix for that. Uh, just cause I, I find that to be far too dorky to entertain. Uh, that notion i okay i'll say this as far as i'll go i uh, film i do bring up a lot uh which unfortunately uh we just missed is the truman show Mm -hmm. and uh i'm constantly bringing that up like when, when there is a minor nuisance uh as far as you know traffic light or some prick just randomly like sort of like storming past me to like beat me to the restaurant for no discernible reason I always think that, uh, you know, the set or an actor was not in place for whatever scene I'm about to enter into. That's been presented just for me. That I'm the center of the tension. So uh, I guess in that way, uh, I, I like that better. I like the idea of <laughs> all these forces working against me more so than uh, possibly just being, you know, floating in a chamber uh, for uh, a horrible service that I've paid Um this, you know, this romantic vision that's going to turn against me. So, uh, maybe a little bit, I guess the Truman Show would kind of work here.
1: And, you know, so you said earlier that it's like a festival movie and I think that's fair. Um, I, it 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 feels that way. It feels like it was made for that audience and it feels sort of like a, a director kind of announcing himself in the same way that Christopher Nolan, uh, was doing with following, and I think this is more successful than that. I think this yes. holds up yes. a lot better over time. Um, and I like Alejandro uh, Um I like the some of the films he did after this, both uh, The Others and The Sea Inside. Um, he had a great fall with this terrible Ethan Hawke movie called Regression. Um, mm.
0: Oh, was that with the Emma Watson?
1: No, I don't... Well, maybe... Here, hold on, let's click on it. Yes, it is with Emma Watson. I've
0: uh, I remember that getting some pretty it terrible was, reviews, it was, but yeah, I it was fair. It
1: there were fair, terrible reviews. Um and yeah, I wonder I wonder what the deal is why a director like him, who who, who did win an Oscar in two thousand four, um why you know he can't have um a better career. Uh, you know, is it is it is it because his movies are are you know such varied uh genres and subject matter
0: yeah I'm sure if he wanted to do uh you know another version of like the others mm-hmm. uh he could have had <laughs> he would have a string uh of stuff so you know he just missed the uh the the bloomhouse rain to just kind of pump those out um but yeah, I actually didn't know. I, I just, I, I guess, stupidly sort of assumed that he was just continuing to, to make films, but just pull him up on Wiki. I see that there's a uh, there was like a seven-year gap in between um, his prior film to that the, the horrible Ethan Hawke one, which now, of course, I'll have to check you out. You don't. And see. <laughs> okay. Is there a reason you think that this one, like you, you mentioned liking some of his other films, is there a reason this you don't revisit this well, one Well, because more? of the
1: subtitles, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> there we go i thought i was gonna play the i was gonna play the heel the dumb american with the big budget and tom cruise and <laughs> the damn subtitles and, and I right. will,
1: okay so going back to the movie that i will not name uh anymore it's a more enjoyable cinematic <laughs> experience you know you know what i mean and it's like so like you're like story-wise you're much more apt and it's much more easy to to check out something like that and revisit it than it is to really, this is a movie you kind of have to work for, Um, Aubrey Los Ojos.
0: I think it's, uh, less specific than Aubrey Los Ojos. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, of course, Crow wanting to tackle like just pop culture in general, uh, you know, there are little touchstones, even if you didn't like a particular song or band that's that's mentioned or film, um, the, I can more easily put myself in that that sort of headspace of the, of the, the protagonist there. Um, which is why I do think Aubrey Losos is far more romantic. Cause I, I think it feels like a much more personal piece, which it should, I mean, Crow is doing, you know, a cover of a song he really liked and doing it his way. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I hate to really play that up. If there are people checking out this podcast that love this film, but I think if I start thinking about the story, I would probably uh, just check out the, you know, the Tom Cruise starring version. Um, but th- this is, I mean, it's a good film. This is, uh, let's, uh, we'll drop vanilla sky or I will finally, uh, and let's just, uh, approach it, uh, in the way that you start to, let's just tackle this, uh, versus like exist mm-hmm. as far as, you know, at least if you were going to the theaters in uh, April of 1999, you would have had these two possibly playing side by side. If you had a really nice theater, um, so let's just look at it in, in that regard, uh, as far as why this is so much more effective than Existence. It's
1: more creative, you know. Um, they're both dealing with low budgets, uh, and that seems to be the thing that, that is linking them. <laughs> is, is that, you know, Cronenberg, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I guess we're going to say this for the third time tonight. He just, you know, decides, well, well, just the future is the community arts center down the street from me, <laughs> uh, the, the basement in there that's the future <laughs> so quaint and and here here <laughs> so nice. you know they don't have that budget either but look at what they're able to create um you know this this fever dream thing uh at the beginning uh with, with him running down the streets that are empty uh you, you know yeah it's it doesn't have the it's not what was done later in the other version but uh <laughs> but but it's effective like you definitely you, you he's very good at creating that sense of being stuck in a very realistic dream, and that's that's a tough thing to do. Uh, more m- filmmakers would normally go down the route of The Matrix to make it very expressive and you know with lots of production value and everything, and make it very flashy in order to convince you of you know a, a of of a fake existence. Um, they do the opposite here, a- and uh, it, uh, yeah, very it's very effective for me.
0: I don't think it's strange with the uh, Cronenberg's film. There's no like, I mean, there's no longing to to, to be in that fake no. world or to stay <laughs> in it, uh, which is weird. That seems like uh, a film that came out uh, earlier this year that we discussed in another podcast, mm-hmm. Ready Player One. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, like, but it just you know it just handles it far more effectively, just because it is approaching it as people really do with those virtual worlds, which is they can't get a fucking enough out of it. Like they cannot wait to come home and sort of rule over their little fiefdom in that virtual world with virtual currency. Uh, and Opera Losa hosts is it, it does treat it to where if you could if you could just drift into that that state where that doesn't have any permanency, where it's, you know, your decisions uh don't necessarily have uh you know? There's there's the the punishment here that the characters having is just all inflicted on himself. That's you know it, it's just one long guilt trip. And I've, I feel like Existence, for all the threats you have and the scenes of weird shootouts and you know the, the usual body damage that Cronenberg's doing, uh, none of it feels like the characters are actually doing anything. That's why I go back to it's like the most boring video game you can imagine um i don't know aubrey losa host maybe actually that and this probably is i don't know how much of a gamer you are or if you are a gamer but um that would honestly probably be a more effective video game (laughs) than existence it would be some sort of like digital download indie game where uh you're sort of making choices about the relationships and like uh, the harm you've done in your life to, you know, in this case, I guess, you know, the women that you've discarded, but, um, I don't know. It just, it feels like something that people would want to interact with more than existence. If they're wanting to have that sort of reflective experience and existence, I don't know what they're, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing other than constantly just trying to move forward and then smirk yeah. at their surroundings at a, how fake it all is. Um, no, no, just really cynical and, just, just not, not much
1: thought put into the world of the game <laughs> in existence. Uh, like this, that stupid restaurant with the dog uh, um, bone gun or the, the bone that the dog brings, you know, to the table. Um, you know, that's like, what? That's like their most uh, creative thing in there. And it's disgusting. Like, I find it just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> like, literally, Cronenberry's just sitting there thinking, okay, what is the most disgusting and off-putting thing we can do here um you, you know like like such a weird way to like he he gets away with that sometimes when it when it fits with the story and the material like like in the fly um but you know other times like and even some of his like 70s movies I, I'm not a fan of because of it I'm not a fan of the brood or or scanners cuz they kind of feel the same way they feel like oh we're just being gross for the sake of being gross, um, you know, to, prov- cause we don't know, we, we can't think of another way to provoke an emotional reaction from you.
0: Can you um, imagine what Cronenberg would have done with the, if he was doing a remake of Aubrey Losos, what would the, the face of Tom Cruise look like? And what <laughs> it would, well,
1: it would never go away for starters. Like it would be like five minutes into the movie. He would have a deformed face. Uh, he would have an eye that's like yellow and that's like bulging. And you know, it's like hanging off his like scalp or whatever uh that that would be what he would do
0: and he would uh, assume that he would you know rip pieces of his face off to to make some sort of weapon (laughs) to to fight the poor michael shannon security guard at some point (laughs) in the film
1: michael Uh, shannon who is not in a movie we are discussing uh this
0: week (laughs) but that right exactly um yeah another film another time uh i I think that's all i've got um I, uh, I'm kind of glad this is over
1: What was the podcast <laughs> like, or, or, just this one episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, this is, uh, this is heavy material. And so I was also kind of like groaned when I saw the, you know, the two of them, which I, I think it's, it's probably given the subject matter, it's fair to compare the two and, uh, have them in the same conversation. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm on a bad streak here. You know, never been kissed should have been a layup for me. Uh, and it was horrifying. Much more so than Cronenberg's work. Um, so, what do we got next, Ben, on the uh, podcast? Hopefully, something well, light and pleasant. Well, we have
1: a a comedy starring an '80s uh, star, an '80s uh, teen star, or whatever, and uh, okay. and it uh, deals with a very intense uh, antagonist to this '80s star that uh, you know drives them crazy. So, can you guess what movie it is?
0: I believe you were uh, you were talking about Alexander Payne's yes, election. Yes, but and uh, every spoiler alert. I don't find the uh, the 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 villain here, the the little teenage monster, to be too monstrous. I think she's quite likable. Well, Very we'll charming. Have to save it for next so.
1: week. But everything I was saying could also yep. have been applied to uh, the the movie after that, uh, Pushing Tin. So
0: no, oh, okay, all right. We'll we'll see so uh yeah join us uh for for that and uh yeah well eventually we will have uh <laughs> sean connery and Catherine zeta jones in a nice little thriller that's what i'm looking forward to i think we'll have what 10 good minutes on entrapment
1: you know i don't i barely remember entrapment so that'll be one of the most interesting rewatches at right. least it'll be uh, fresh. somewhat yeah okay
0: And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook Is at ninety nine from ninety nine.
1: I don't know what else to do.
0: I know what to do. I know exactly what to do. That to realism.